found a podcast where you'll hear the truth and we will praise jesus name we stand for the bible and won't back down from it although it don't bring much fame some folks will like it some will try to deny it but god's word will always stand true it's been tried in the fire still Hello, friends. Welcome to the Pod King Podcast. I'm your co-host, Donald King. And I'm Donnie King, the host of the podcast. This is Friday, March the 11th, special edition number 20, with our guest, Brother Wade Auld. On this podcast, we study the Bible according to how it was written in the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, and how it was translated into English in the King James Version. In our last study, we encouraged our audience to let brotherly love continue to entertain strangers, for they might be angels, and to remember them who are in bonds. We were reminded that marriage is honorable, but that God himself shall judge whoremongers and adulterers. We should be comforted with the fact that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. He is our helper, nor should we fear what men might do unto us. We have the blessed consolation that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and he will be the same forever. In today's episode, we have a special guest. Our guest is Brother Wade Auld. We visit with Brother Wade concerning his life, his testimony, and he gives us an exhortation before he is done. We find it interesting to look into the life of the people of God and see what all the Lord has done for them. To wrap things up, we answer a couple of questions that have been sent in to us recently. Now for the teaching of God's Word and the lesson for today, I'll turn it to the host of the Pot King podcast, our pastor, Brother Donnie King. Well, thank you for listening in today, and we're excited about this. We're going to have a little bit of a different episode today. We're going to start with a phone call, and then we're going to do an extended Q&A at the end. We'll be taking in three questions and answering them today, and it's going to be an exciting time. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Looking forward to it. Okay, i tell you what I'm fixing to do. We're fixing to call Brother Wade Auld. Hello. Hello. How are you doing, my brother? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very good. Welcome to the podcast, Brother Wade. Yes, sir. It's good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and you're one of the people in my life that has been an inspiration to me, and I feel like that you're a type guy that everyone needs to meet, and I thought this would be a good chance to get some of your testimony out to the people and just let them be able to get a glimpse into your life. Well, I sure don't feel like I'm worthy of that kind of wording, but I do certainly appreciate the friendship we've had. I appreciate the influence you've had in my life. I feel like you've been a great friend and a, a great influence and someone I can lean on in a lot of a lot of different areas of my life, and that has certainly been very helpful for me. Well, I, I don't know about all the use of the word great, but I, I've definitely enjoyed being friends, and I feel like it's been mutual. You've been a blessing to us, and we enjoyed meeting you many years ago. How, how long ago do you think it was when we met? The best of my memory, it was in 2009 at a revival at the church I was attending at the time in Colford, Oklahoma. Yes, sir. I believe so. Uh, Brother Wayne Hunt was your pastor at that time, wasn't he? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. I, I really enjoyed that. I think we were there 11 days, if I'm not mistaken, and really enjoyed getting to meet the people there. And that's where I got to meet you and uh, your wife, Sister Kara. Y'all hadn't been married very long at that time, had you? No, sir. We actually got married in 2009. So it was somewhere after July of 2009 when I, when I met you, to the best of my recollection. But yeah, we had just gotten married and and was attending church there. That's wonderful. Well, tell the people just a little bit about yourself and your family. That way, if anyone doesn't know you that's listening, they'll get a kind of an idea of what your family is. So I grew up in Kellyville, Oklahoma, going to church my whole life here at Kellyville. I, I just I had an invitation from my grandpa to, to come down and see him. Actually, I think I had just bought a new truck and had came down to show my grandpa out of the blue. And so I had went to church with him, and that's actually where I met Kara. But I met her, and, I, and in my mind, I thought there's no way possible that she would ever even come close to liking me. <laughs> so I went to uh, my grandpa's house, and through a series of events, her family actually invited us over for dinner, and I got to meet her. Uh, that's kind of how my life got started with my wife. I went down to meet my grandpa and actually met my wife, but you know, early you know, before <laughs> yes, before sir. I met uh, anyone else. That is amazing. I have met your in-laws, and they they're wonderful people. Brother Carl's one of the greatest men I've I've met. Yes, sir. He's a he's a good guy. That's for sure. Tell us a little bit about your testimony. There's just a few things that really comes to my heart. When it when it comes to things that I've dealt with personally, it's very hard for me to remember exact details. You know, as a child, I had a few things that had happened to me that was a little strong event, I guess, in my life. Uh, my mother had a brain tumor when I was around four years old, if I remember correctly. I got left with some friends, uh, naturally, because my mom and dad was in the hospital. I remember... You know, happened to leave the hospital with some friends, being scared, didn't know what in the world was going on. I imagine. But God brought my mother all the way through the brain tumor. Matter of fact, the doctors told my mother that she had never lived to raise us. Oh, my. So she actually came through that just fine. Uh, it was it was obviously nothing shy of a miracle. And then we went on a little while later. I can't remember exact age. I'm thinking I was probably around 11, but I don't even remember for sure. But she came down with cancer. And again, we thought, well, the doctors are correct. She's not going to be able to live long enough to get us raised. Yes, sir. And God brought her through the cancer. I was probably around 20, but my mother came down with kidney failure. She had to go on dialysis, but at that point, her children was actually raised, so everything the doctors had told her was not accurate because the goodness of God brought her through. Yes, and sir. so she was kidney dialysis. She died when I was about 25, I believe it was, maybe 26. I think I'd almost, I was almost 26 when she passed away. That was some fairly difficult times, seen a lot of dark days, but God brought us all the way through every bit of that. Yes, sir. If it had not been for God, there's no telling where I'd be today. 
I agree. I remember the night that she passed. You called me that evening and you had told me what was going on. And my heart just broke when I heard that. And I knew that you could go into a terrible trial if you wasn't careful after that. And I remember talking to you days after that and then sometimes a a couple of weeks later. And God just miraculously stepped in and helped y'all and strengthened you. And I'm so thankful for the way that God helped you and your family through all of that. Yes, sir. It it was uh, obviously we leaned on friends as much as we could. But to be totally honest, if it wasn't for the power of God, there's no way that I feel like I came through that. I mean, there was times that I definitely had struggles. Um, There was times that I felt like the days was awful dark. But God still brought through every bit of it. And I can look back and say that if it had not been for God, I don't know where I'd be today. Amen. Well, you started your own business a few years back. How how many years ago was that? Right at six years ago. Six years ago. Before you started your own business, though, you put up a lot of prayers before that, didn't you? Yes, sir. A long story short, I had moved to Caulfield when I first got married, and we lived down there for, I think, roughly around four years, three and a half years, something like that. Actually, my wife felt it before I did moved to Kellyville area. And so I began to pray about it. I didn't really want to, to just go off of what she felt. So I began to pray about it and get serious before God about it. Yes, sir. And I felt like it was the correct move to make. And so we made the move to Kellyville, which was back to my home place. So I was, I was working a job and I had a, a friend of mine that had called me one day and said that he was wanting to buy a welding machine. And I didn't really know, you know the details of it. So I helped him and we found a, a weld machine and a, on a trailer. And so he told me after he bought that, he said, I felt like buying that for you to start doing jobs with on the side. <laughs> and I had no idea. I had never, I mean, I wanted to, but I didn't have the money to buy that stuff. So I started doing jobs and it grew into something that in all of my free time, I was, I was busy steadily building a business and had no idea what I was even doing. <laughs> and so as this began to grow, I uh, was still working another job. I remember one day they called me into the office and said, hey, we're going to have a layoff and, and your name is on the list. And I was completely shocked that I was getting laid off. I really felt like that. Well, there's no way I'm going to be laid off. I didn't know. Yes, and sir. turns out it was the will of God. And um, <laughs> so I had two weeks of severance pay that came from that place. I kept asking my pastor. I knew what I was praying. I knew what I was feeling. I was feeling very strongly to wait, but I was getting anxious. I had already been laid off, and I was during the time of my two weeks. And so I asked my pastor, hey, you know, can I go ahead and go down this road and and he said, I don't feel it. And I said, well, I don't feel it either, but I'm, I'm just wanting to. And he kept cautioning me to wait. And I said, well, I still feel that's what I need to do as well. So I waited. And I got into my second week of my severance pay. And there was a job that I had looked at probably close to a month before I actually got laid off that I had honestly forgotten about. I didn't even realize it was even a possibility of coming to me. I felt like you know, I was in my second week and I, I had decided I was going to go do a job interview and take a well test at a, another shop around local. And so I just, I got up early that morning praying about it and I felt like it was a total waste of my time to go. I had no idea why. So I called them, told them I wasn't coming, went back to bed. 
And then it was literally within just a, a, a few days, I can't remember exact, they called me and said, hey, this job is ready for you to start. And I didn't even know I was getting the job. <laughs> and so from that moment on, I went full-time self-employed. There were so many things. I'd be here all night trying to say what, you know, what all the details was. But just to highlight, I started that job, and you know how it goes. That job led to another one. Yes, sir. And then to another one. I don't remember ever being out of work since that very day that it, it kicked off full-time. To be honest with you, I just this week, God has blessed us so strongly. I don't, I don't, there's nothing that I've done to deserve it, but we just hired the, the fourth full-time hand in the shop, and I've got one part-time as well. We have more work than we know what to do with for now. Isn't that it's something? it's been that way for almost six years now. <laughs> God is amazing, isn't he? Yes, sir. Now, you mentioned your pastor a moment ago. Your pastor is Brother John Brock, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is my pastor. Yes, sir. One man. Yes. Great, great man of God. He's become a friend of mine. I didn't know him very well through the years, but I've got to know him a lot better in the last couple of years and really, really feel like you've got a good pastor. Now, you're not only a preacher, a welder, but you're also an accomplished guitar player, too. Well, I don't know about that, but I certainly try my best. <laughs> well, I think you do good at everything that you do. It seems like God's blessing has been upon you in many different ways. And I'm just, I feel like people will be blessed by hearing you break down your life and just tell parts about it. And as a matter of fact, your wife had an interesting incident happen to her years ago concerning a tire. Do you want to tell us anything about that? So my wife was coming down the interstate over there on the other side of Sepulpa, um, between Sepulpa and Tulsa. And she was just coming down, getting on the turnpike, and she had been following a semi. So she was she was just entering turnpike speed. So she was probably going somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 mile an hour. And the, the semi was pulling a flatbed trailer. But she uh, noticed all of a sudden that a tire that had been laying up flat on top of that trailer came off. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it actually hit the road and bounced. And when it did, it was flying through the air right toward my wife's windshield of the little SUV she was driving. And as it was flying toward the window, right before it got to the car, it exploded. And the wheel went one way and the tire went the other way. And neither <laughs> touched that car. Oh, my God. nothing for the tire of God. Yes, in my mind, when you called me and told me about that several years ago, when that happened in my mind, I could nearly picture it and see the hand of God reaching out of heaven, just popping that tire, just to keep it from hitting that windshield. If it had went through that windshield, God only knows what would have happened. Yes, sir. Things would be much different today. I can promise you that. I actually had a couple of things, but shortly after my mother passed away, my wife had had gotten very attached to my mother. And so I guess it was, seemed like it was within, you know, maybe a month or, or a couple months after she had passed, my wife came down with Bell's palsy. Uh, for the first 10 days, she got really bad. She had lost all of her movement, I believe, on her left side, and or at least a lot of movement on her left side, and could not close her eyes. So to, to go to sleep at night, she'd have to tape her eyes shut. Her eye actually stayed open for the full two weeks. Wow. And we was having a church service, just an ordinary, what we thought was ordinary church service on a Sunday night. 
And uh, it was during altar service, best I can remember. And one of the ladies in the church that, quite honestly, she's a, a very quiet lady. She don't do things like this on a normal basis. As far as I know, it's the first time. But she felt like God had dealt with her to lay her hand on my wife's face and pray for her. Uh-huh. And so she got up and went and found my wife and knelt down beside her and asked her if she could touch her face. And, of course, my wife said, sure, go ahead. And so she laid her hand on my wife's face and just began to pray. There was no one else even really knowing anything that had happened or, or that was going on. It was Everybody was down praying. And then all of a sudden, after she'd done that, God reached down and touched in that situation and immediately healed her of that. And she's had no more issues from that time since. <laughs> Thank God. It was, you know, a lot of people I've seen that's dealt with that has had ongoing issues after when it seemed like it was cleared up. But from that moment forward, she never had another another issue. Wow. That and then one more thing amazing. That, was really, that, was, that was really on my mind that I wanted to tell real fast. Sure, go ahead. When my boy Kyler was around four or five years old, and he had been outside in the yard working with me, I was pulling some fence or something out in the yard, and he decided he wanted to go in the house. He'd kind of been running back and forth like children do, and the wind caught the door right before he got in the house, and his fingers was on the jam, and the door slammed across his fingers. Oh. Within seconds, his fingers turned blue and actually is on the middle joint all the way across all four fingers, and they creased backwards the opposite direction of what they're supposed to have been. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea what in the world to do. I was just a young man and, uh, quite honestly, very uh, ignorant of things to do. But I went inside, and uh, my wife and I gathered and started praying. And in just probably less than two minutes, God moved in that situation. (laughs) And his fingers didn't show any sign at all, not even any any discoloration in just a moment his fingers went right back to normal um, the they Lord. could have been at a point but i choose to believe it was just nothing short of the power of god amen my you've got some wonderful testimonies that you've shared I, I believe that it would put anybody on shouting ground it certainly strengthens my faith just to look back over what god has done Yes, sir. That's why I like doing things like this, because it really bolsters a person's faith. It not only bolsters the person's faith that's listening to your testimony, but as you recount it, it strengthens your faith, remembering what God's done for you. Yes, sir. Well, my brother, I want to ask you one last thing here before we wrap things up here in a few moments. But what would you like to say as an exhortation to the audience today? What has the Lord put upon your heart that you would like to share with us? I've had something I've been carrying for a little bit now. I really had no idea where that it would be used. You know, really had no idea what what avenue it would go. But something I've been feeling on my heart has been the wholeness of people, which is, in my opinion, the, the best group of people in the world. Amen. But I've, I've been seeing a trend lately, or not just necessarily lately, it's been an ongoing trend. But it seems like that not only in the world, but even in the church, that lines that was clearly drawn when I was a kid have been getting blurred. And uh, I don't think it's uh, necessarily unintentional, at least by and large. The world has blurred so many lines between being a man and a woman or right and wrong or, yes, sir. you know, light or darkness. Even even truth has been under fire for so long now. But I look at it and I see 
it creeping into the church, and it, it absolutely shakes me to my core to realize that if we don't get a handle on this, the holiness movement in general is not going to look the same in a very short amount of time as what it's looked through my, my years growing up. And in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. And the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right path. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief and their sleep is taken away, unless they call some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth, and perverse lips far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Verse 26, ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Just looking at the direction that our feet are going is incredibly important to me this evening. It's been something that's been on my heart uh, for a little while now. We have a younger generation that's following on, and if we're not leaving a path that is going to be so clear for them to follow, I'm afraid they're going to have a harder time with this than what I've been handed. And then I look in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. As I was looking through this and just seeing how that, Possibly there's an opportunity for us to water down the gospel. Yes. And things that we was taught so clearly that was wrong is now becoming accepted in our hour. Things that I was taught was absolutely not a question are now being questioned. Yes, sir. And th those things is, is really important for me. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, one last verse. Says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see and ask for the old path. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And I feel like that's kind of where we're seeing today, is people are saying, we will not walk therein. And that's kind of been what's been burning on my heart this evening, Brother Donnie. Yes, sir. It's just watching our path that we're walking and not creating a stumbling block for those that's following on behind us. 
Boy, that's so good, and it's so true. As you were reading those scriptures and and commenting about what the Lord has laid on your heart, I got to thinking about Proverbs. I believe it's chapter 22, and, and somewhere towards the end of the chapter, maybe verse 28 or so, he said to remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. And we're seeing more and more landmarks today torn down, moved, covered over. People are saying it's not necessary. You don't have to do that. But it's things that has been accepted for years and years that we have known and believed to be the truth. And we're seeing all of this being questioned, as you said, and torn down. What will our our generation behind us, what will they believe? And we're seeing the old past forsaken, as you said. Very true. Well, I think that you've given us a good idea this evening of how to handle all of these situations by your steadfastness of trying to hang on to the Lord. I'm not saying it's always been easy for you, by no means. You've had some terrible bumps in in the road throughout your life. But one thing I can say about it, Brother Wade, I've watched you even from afar. We don't live close to one another, but we've kept contact with one another. And I have seen how you have held on to the Lord, even though it wasn't easy you held on. When things went good, you held on. When things went bad, you held on. And I believe that that's what we're needing to do to these things that people are questioning right now. We need to hold on to God, hold on to our faith, and don't let go of those old landmarks and don't let our feet be removed from the ancient paths. Yes, sir. That's right. I want to tell you something. I've enjoyed this visit, and I'm thankful that you were able to come on tonight and be able to give your testimony and tell us what's been on your heart. I've enjoyed knowing you for the, I guess this will be the 13th year that you and I have been acquainted, and I've I've enjoyed every moment of it, and I've enjoyed this tonight. Yes, sir. I have too. All right. Just for a little bit of last-minute interest, how long have you been preaching? Uh, Probably... 16, 17 years. I think somewhere around 17 years. That's amazing. Now, do you mind me asking how old are you? I'm fixing to turn 32. Fixing to turn 32 and been preaching over half your life. Ain't that amazing? I don't feel worthy, but it's a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. Well, I want to thank you for taking your time to come on to the podcast tonight. And I want to personally thank you for being a friend You've been a blessing to me tonight, just hearing your testimony again. And I'm just thinking of the hundreds of people that possibly will be listening to this and the blessing that it's going to be to them. And right here, your ministry just went a little bit further. And I want to thank you for that, my brother. Thank you for the opportunity. I do appreciate it. The book of first Corinthians says, know ye that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So I want to thank you for that, and we'll be in touch with you, and I'm going to close the call for right now, but I appreciate you, my brother, and good to hear from you. Thank you. God bless. God bless you too, my friend. All right, friends. Thank you, uh, Brother Wade All, good man of God. We certainly appreciate Brother Wade. We've got uh, some questions sending here today. Pastor, are you ready for one? I'm more than ready. Okay. Which version of the Bible is the best for believers to read? Well, that's a relatively easy question for me because I am a King James Version supporter. If a person could read Hebrew or Koine Greek, I would advise you to read the original manuscripts and get your understanding from there. But I personally believe for English-speaking people and people here in America that the KJV is the best version of the Bible that we have today. Now, if a person is interested in studying the Bible and getting deeper in it and filtering it through the Jewish lives and culture, 
I would suggest the TLV, which is the Tree of Life version. It's been translated by the Messianic Jewish believers. Now, that means these are people who are Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and their version is a very accurate version. And I do have one of those that I consult from time to time, but I always read and I always preach from my KJV. Amen. Question number two. In Isaiah 40, verse 12, it says, God meted out the heavens with the span of his hand. Sight to say the galaxy is always expanding. So does this mean that God's hand is always expanding? Okay, where do I begin here? (laughs) First, let me say that I'm not a fan of many scientists because most of them are atheistic. Secondly, everything that scientists say is not really provable. So it would be a stretch for me to say that they can give evidence to everything they say as being truth. Many times it falls under the theory category. Third, to meet out something means to measure it. So the word span of the hand, if you'll look that up in the original Hebrew, it refers to the spread of the fingers of a hand. It means from the end of your thumb to the width of your longest finger, that is a span. Your hand is a span. So God meted out the heaven with the span of his hand. That literally means that God measured the heavens with just the spread of his hand wide open. That means that the whole universe can fit in God's hand. So the point of the universe expanding really wouldn't make a whole lot of difference to this in one sense, because let me ask you a question. Has anyone ever seen God? How do we get an idea of how big he is? We don't know. I personally don't believe that the hand of God must grow in order to fit the expansion of the universe. I want to read that verse to you and let you hear it for yourself. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Okay, so now I want you to think about something. I am not in any means tearing down what I just established, but I do want you to think for a moment. Some of this may be actual, and some of it is actually figurative language. Do you really think that God took the mountains and put them in a set of scales and weighed them? No. He didn't have to. He knew what they consisted of because he made them. So he took them, and I believe this is some figurative language bleeding over into the reality of what did take place. I'm not saying that God couldn't do it in the span of his hand. I'm just saying that some of this is figurative. Some of it, I believe, can be taken literal. So it would be up to the interpreter who's reading this to determine really whether you believe it's all figurative or it's all literal. I believe it's a mixture of both myself. But I do want to add a couple of other scriptures here to kind of back up how big God is. In 2 Chronicles 2 and 6, Solomon is praying a prayer, and he said, But who is able to build him a house? Seeing the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only to burn sacrifice before him? So Solomon says, I can't even fathom how big God is because even the heaven of heavens can't contain him. He's greater than that because God fills the heaven and the earth. God is everywhere, literally, if you will. Isaiah 66 and 1 is another scripture I want to read just to give you a little idea of how big our God is. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? 
even if you take this for a literal statement, if heaven is God's throne, that means it's just where he's sitting. Imagine how much room God would need to move around if the whole heaven, the whole universe, all of the galaxies together is just where God sits. Where would the space be that God needs to move around any at all? Think of how big the earth is. He said that's just where he puts his feet. God is enormous. I'm talking about our minds cannot even comprehend it. There's a verse in the book of Job, and I didn't look it up. It just came to me as I was talking. I'm going to put it in more modern terms because this is the way it makes more sense to the people that's listening. The writer begins to talk about God being taller than the stars. Now, once you think about that, the sun is so far from the earth, the rays of light travel at 186,000 miles per second. And all that distance all the way to the sun, which is one of the biggest stars in our solar system. And the Bible teaches that God is higher or taller than the stars. So you tell me how big God is. Do you think his hand's getting smaller or getting bigger? I don't think it really matters because God is bigger than the whole universe. Right here in these verses that I read to you, heaven refers to the whole universe, every bit of outer space. You can talk about all the galaxies that man has seen and the ones he hasn't seen. All of this information I gave you to come down to my short answer. No, I don't believe that his hand has to keep expanding. God is already bigger than the universe. That's right. One of the children's songs says he's got the whole world in his hands. Amen. Okay, question number three. The Bible speaks about prayer a lot. How often should Christians pray? That's a good question. And and I really believe it matters upon the individual and their personal walk with God more so than anything. But I'm going to give you a couple of good ideas from Scripture that you can base your belief system from and maybe apply this to your life. First Timothy 2 and 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So no matter where you are, you need to be praying. All right, I want to go to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17. This kind of narrows it down pretty good. Three words, pray without ceasing. Yeah. If you want to know when to pray, just keep on. That's right. <laughs> pray and pray. I believe this means to, to live a life of prayer. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel made a custom of praying three times a day. I think that would be a good gauge to go by. Now, how often you pray should also consider how long should you pray? Should you pray one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes? 40 minutes, an hour, three hours. I mean, really, if prayer is good, the more you do it, the better it's going to be for you. But we all know we live in a limited time frame. We have so much going on. But listen to how Jesus did. I think he would be a good example of how we should do at times in our life. Luke 6 and 12. He's fixing to make a huge decision. He's going to call 12 disciples out of all the people who are following him. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus prayed all night before making that decision. What am I saying? Should we pray all night, every night? Should we pray three times a day? Should we pray everywhere we go? Should we pray without ceasing and never stop and always just, we're just praying. I can't talk. I'm praying. Uh, listen, I can't work. I'm praying. No, no, that's not what he's saying here. I believe Christians should pray every day though. And I believe you should pray as often as you can. 
I believe it's better to live a life of prayer where you pray often more than just trying to figure out how many times, how frequent, how often, how long. I think that you should just pray when you get the opportunity and you need to make some opportunities. That's right. A good saying is worry less and pray more. That's right. I enjoyed those answers, Pastor. Friends, if you have a Bible question that you'd like an answer to, drop us an email at dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. That's dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. If you got a comment about this podcast, we'd be glad to hear your input. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today, sharing God's work. But until next time, may God bless you all. We wish the Lord's blessings upon you today. Weights that beset me So I can keep my soul feeling free I'll gladly bear the reproach, Lord For the gospel's sake Where I go, you've already been there Cause I'm walking in Jesus' name Well, I'm walking in Jesus' name I'm going where he bid me go Dressing and talking like he wants me to He's a keeper of my soul I have learned to lean on Jesus And cast on him my ever concern I'm looking for a home